0: Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com.
1: Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio.
0: Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Wow. It's been a whirlwind of a year, huh? We have... Harmony of the Seas christened uh, last week down in Fort Lauderdale. The week before that, Carnival Vista was christened in New York City. The election's over. Just ready for the holidays to get here and uh, just eat some food. By the way, uh, if I don't get to talk to you before next week, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and uh, thank you so much for being here. That's one thing I'm very, very grateful for is you coming up on this week's show? We'll get a review of Grand Princess in Alaska itinerary from Scott and Sherry Kennedy is standing by with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry, hey, Doug, let's talk Cruise News. World's largest
2: cruise ship now christened Royal Caribbean celebrated the arrival of their newest and now the world's largest cruise ship, the Harmony in the Seas, last Thursday. And you were there for the event.
0: It was cool. You know, it was, um, it was a little long, but in Royal Caribbean tradition, they really showed a lot of their entertainment from the ice rink. They showed, uh, of course, Greece, which is very popular on that ship, and a couple of the high dive acts in the aqua theater. So they really encompassed that within the christening ceremony. And the godmother so awesome, slipping my mind, but you have more information on that.
2: I do. The godmother was actually a teacher in Miami. Her name is Brittany Affelter. And she was a godmother. She christened the ship and did all the ceremonial pomp and circumstance that they always do. And then the entertainment uh, was John Cicada. Do you remember him from the
0: 90s? I remember him singing <laughs> on the ship, but I have no clue who it is.
2: He was pretty popular, and he performed some of his greatest hits, one of which... I looked it up, was just another day. I do not remember it either.
0: If you want to read a review of Harmony of the Seas, you can check it out in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Moving on, Carnival Cruise Line swapping some ships in the Caribbean because of a little technical error. What do you have?
2: Yeah, just a little hiccup. Apparently, the Carnival Liberty is in having this technical issue that affects its maximum cruising speed. So going from Galveston to Mexico has been quite a challenge, if it it even makes it there at all. So while uh, Carnival continues to try to find the reason for this inability to get to maximum speed, they're going to swap ships with the Carnival Valor at Port Canaveral. So the Valor, and their sister ships too, the Valor is going to head to Galveston and the Carnival Liberty Uh, On December 15th is heading to Port Canaveral. Um, And it's interesting. I don't know um, all the things that have been happening on board. But, you know, if you can't quite make it to port, people do get upset. So I think this is a smart idea and a good move, actually. Um, because I don't think the passengers will really find too much different between the ships. They're only a year apart, and they'll be guaranteed you know, uh, that they will get to where they're going. So that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, and uh. both, both of them have Fun Ship 2.0, or whatever Carnival's hmm. calling it now. So they both have the Guy's Burger joint and all that. So, yeah, all's well, sister ships there. Older ship, Carnival Fantasy, I think the oldest in the fleet, 26 years old now, is mm-hmm. sailing out of Mobile, Alabama. Did I read
2: that right? You read it right. Mobile, Alabama welcomes the carnival fantasy. And the fantasy will be cruising four and five day uh, itineraries from Mobile to Mexico. Um, There was a big, you know, the fanfare was there as always. And there was a special charity event to raise money for the Boys and Girls Club of Southern Alabama and also another organization called Feeding the Gulf Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, There was the traditional plaque exchange between the cruise line captain and the officers and the port officials. It's also a great photo op. So you have a lot of photographers for the local newspapers that come out. And it's a big event, you know. After the event, the 2056 passenger ship left Mobile on a sold-out five-day cruise to Cozumel, and Progresso. And that's a really nice itinerary. I have never been to Progresso. Though Ugh. have you?
0: I, I will I will be nice and say we'll move on, very excited about this next story because Princess Cruises, they don't come up with, you know, new ships that often. One more on the books is this a royal class ship?
2: Yes, it is another royal class ship. In fact, it'll be the fourth royal class ship in the Princess Cruises fleet. And last week in Italy at Fincantieri Shipyard, the steel-cutting ceremony took place, known as Hull 6268. It sounds like um, a robot. Um, This this is the newest sister ship, too, like you mentioned, the Royal, the Regal, and the Majestic Princess. Uh, The ship's name has not been announced yet, and I can't imagine what it will be, but it is scheduled for completion by 2019.
0: I love these royal-class ships. I hope they don't put this one in China and give it to the U.S. or the Mediterranean.
2: Well, here's what you can do. You can book a Europe cruise for next year aboard the Majestic Princess. But it's kind of interesting because she's just going to be sailing out of Barcelona and Rome.
0: For like a week or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There will be a 49-night cruise from Rome to Shanghai on May 21st. You know, Pack your bags, uh, get ready for some good food, and an interesting cruise. It's going through the Suez Canal. It will stop in Petra, Jordan, continue on through to India and around uh, all around there and then uh, Singapore and then up to um, Shanghai. So it looks like an interesting itinerary for sure. And it's it's priced right too. So if anyone really wants a long cruise and a lot of Chinese food, this is your thing. Last but
0: not least, Port Everglades has upgraded or updated to mobile passport control for the folks. So uh, don't know what that is. What is it, Sherry? And I'll share my experience in just a couple of seconds.
2: Okay, this was new to me too. Since I don't fly, I you know I'm not familiar with all these new um, gadgets and gizmos that you can download to get through customs quicker. But this uh, Port Everglades is the first U.S. cruise port to implement the new U.S. Customs and Border Protection mobile passport control that you can use from your smartphone. Uh, The program is already in use at a number of airports across the country, including Fort Lauderdale. But cruise passengers simply have to download the mobile passport control app from, you know, iOS, iTunes, or Google Play. Mm -hmm. And then you go into the app, you fill out your passport information, scan your photo, Answer a series of declaration questions, just like you do on those long blue paper forms that you get. The catch is you must submit the form within four hours before disembarking the ship. So that's a little bit different. You have to, you know, before you go to bed the last night, you have, you have to submit it. But if you're, you know, you don't have a, a smartphone or you still haven't quite moved into using apps, paper forms will still be available and will still be delivered to your stateroom as they always have. So that's good news for, you know, they get you get some 70 or 80 year old people they don't always want or my daughter. <laughs> they don't like to use apps.
0: I used this passport app on my last sailing getting off of Harmony of the Seas last weekend. Very simple. You download the app, you scan in your passport information. The morning you wake up, you answer four questions, you walk off the ship, show the agent your app show them your passport, and it completely, uh, completely eliminates that big, long blue form, and it's off to the races like you're done. I know Terminal 18 in Port Everglades is super fast anyways because it has those two or three big ships, even faster now.
2: Well, that's interesting. So is there a QR code on there that they use?
0: I think there was, now that you ask.
2: You know, it's it's good because they're saving paper, Yeah,
0: so. and that's
2: always a good thing.
0: And we like that. Yes, we do. We're green. Green like Kermit the Frog. Thanks for being here, Sherry. Happy Thanksgiving.
2: Same to you, Doug. Have a good one.
1: You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. From
0: its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Park West makes us excited to spend money on art.
2: To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net.
0: We always like to get your cruise reviews here on the show. If you have one you'd like to share, drop me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. Like Scott, Scott just returned from a 10-night Alaska cruise aboard Princess Cruises Grand Princess. He's on the line this evening. What's up, Scott? Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good, man. And uh, excited to talk all about this itinerary. I understand it was a unique itinerary, and we'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. But before we get to the itinerary and Grand Princess itself, let's take a step back and give me your pre-cruise thoughts of this 10-night Alaska sailing, because it's rather unique going out of California instead of going out of Seattle or Vancouver.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. So my pre-cruise thoughts was I was a bit nervous seeing the duration of the cruise being 10 days. This is our longest cruise we've ever done. And I went with my family, so my parents and my sister. So I was a bit nervous of will we be bored for that amount of time? Will we want the cruise to be over? Because the longest we've done is seven days. So that was definitely one concern. Another one was with this itinerary, there are a lot of sea days. And generally, when you leave from Vancouver, this is our fourth Alaska cruise, um, it's very, it's a scenic because we're cruising through the Inside Passage. Mm -hmm. Whereas reading up on information about leaving from San Francisco, you're out in the middle of of the Pacific Ocean. So I was a bit nervous of how scenic is this cruise going to actually be? Will we just be out in the open water the whole time and then just get to a port then? kind of move. So that was another, I guess you could say, concern of mine. Mm -hmm. And probably the last major thing that I was thinking about before going was, what would the sea conditions be like? Will it be extremely rocky? Because I've been, I heard a lot of people come back saying that it was really rocky on their trip, leaving from San Francisco, headed to Alaska. So pretty much it was all of that type of stuff. Princess is the only cruise line that offers this Alaska cruise from San Francisco. So there's not a lot of information out there. It was kind of hard to research a lot.
0: Yeah, and I was just curious. I mean, I know you live in California. Is that Was that the deciding factor of
1: why taking an Alaska cruise out of California because you live there? That was a definite factor. This was actually my fourth Alaska cruise, and we've never done this route before. We've done a northbound route, so from Vancouver up to Anchorage. Mm-hmm. Then we've done southbound, so Anchorage to Vancouver. And we've also done Seattle round trips. So part of it was, we've never done this route before, let's do it. But also the other part was because it did leave from California, the airfare was much less. Mm -hmm. We could fly in the day of the cruise. I know that's not really recommended, but for our schedule, it worked out. It was just more convenient for us. And the amount of the cruise, so the cruise cost, generally it's a little more expensive than I would say uh, Seattle cruises would be or Vancouver to Anchorage. But when you factor in airfare, it came out pretty similar. Okay. So instead of spending the money on flights up to Anchorage, we spent it on a little longer cruise.
0: Cool. Uh, Let's fast forward to embarkation day. You go to Board Grand Princess in San Francisco. How was the embarkation process out there?
1: The embarkation was so smooth and simple. That was actually another kind of concern I had because I would hear uh, horror stories about boarding in San Francisco. It takes so long, not very efficient, but I had a wonderful experience. We got to the terminal at around one in the afternoon, and I would say by the time we got to the terminal, we were on board within 30 minutes, Wow! super fast.
0: Yeah, that's not bad at all. So uh, you make your way on board, Grand Princess. What were your first impressions of her? I was very
1: impressed reading about the cruise ship beforehand. The ship didn't get a ton of really great reviews, so I was a bit cautious, but I was pleasantly surprised. The ship was built in 1998, and this was Princess's first grand-class ship. Mm -hmm. I was amazed with just how grand the ship actually was, especially being built back in 1998 was recently refurbished a few years back, and all of Princess's enhancements are on the ship, like Alfredo's Pizzeria. There's lots of different venues. I I thought the ship was great. I would definitely cruise on the Grand Princess again. Cool.
0: Uh, So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you have, and what were your thoughts of it?
1: We had an interior uh, stateroom for this cruise. Two of our Alaska cruises, we did balcony. Our last Alaska cruise before the Grand Princess, we stayed in an Ocean View Obstructed room. So this time we've done the balcony route for Alaska. So we were like, we can save a bit of money doing interior. So we did that. Our cabin was on Aloha deck number 12, which if you look at the Grand Princess deck plants, above us was uh, the Lido deck. So I was a bit nervous in terms of, will it be noisy? Will I be hearing chairs above me? We heard none of that. The cabin was very quiet. The size of it was great. There was four of us in there. So four adults. And we managed perfectly for 10 days as well. And we don't pack lightly. So there was enough room for all of our luggage. There was enough room for us to sleep, get ready in the day. And it worked out great. Nice. Very
0: cool. Now, as far as the, you said, four adults inside cabin, my first thought is super cramped. But then again, you're not really in your cabin that much. Did you find enough
1: space for everything
0: when all of you guys were in the cabin at one time?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. That was my first thought too was, oh, it's going to be cramped. But really, it wasn't that bad. It's just the biggest type of thing is making sure in terms of paperwork that we would get from the cruise, we'd put that in the drawer, uh, making sure we have like a dirty clothes pile, anything else that we bought. So it's pretty much organization. If you are an organized person and can kind of separate things, you'll be fine. Cool. So, you know, you, you'll make it work. We managed to do it. We're not people that, like, need a ton of space. And we also had the mindset of we're in here to sleep, mm-hmm. um, especially for Alaska. We were out on deck a lot. We weren't in our cabin all that much except to sleep. Right.
0: Nice. Well, let's switch gears here and talk about the dining on Grand Princess. You kind of touched on a couple of dining venues they have on board. But let's start at the the Lido Deck dining area and work our way out from there. So what were your impressions of Lido Deck dining?
1: So the Lido Deck area and the Horizon Corpus buffet, the food was great. There was a lot of different types of variety. The crew on board were super nice, especially in the dining areas. Whenever we needed something, they would come by and get it. Any types of special requests, they would uh, make that happen. I was very impressed with the food on the Lido deck. There was nice variety. It was hot. It it changed different days. For our first time, we actually had dinner up there on one of the nights. And it was really good. It was pretty comparable to the actual dining room. There was also, they have the kind of like the barbecue outside, their grill area, Mm -hmm. which was great. They had pizza. And then also for Alaska, they had different types of, like, reindeer dogs, and some special, unique products from Alaska, which was really cool.
0: That's awesome, reindeer dogs. I've never had one of those before. I I think of poor little Rudolph eating one of those things.
1: This is my fourth Alaska cruise. The first three, I couldn't do it, but the fourth time I (laughs) caved in, and I highly recommend it.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Talk about the main dining room. What time dining did you have? So we had any
1: time dining. Okay. Um, For us, on our past cruise experiences, First dining, first eating was we always would feel a bit kind of rushed and we would have to get there. And late dining, we generally eat kind of early. So late dining, for us, it felt like we were eating in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So we did anytime dining. This was our second time doing anytime dining on a princess cruise. And it worked out great. What we ended up doing was is that the first night of the cruise, we had a great waiter. And so we reserved them the rest of the cruise. So you can definitely do that. So if you fall in love with your wait staff, you can always make a reservation to uh, sit at their table. And you can also make reservations each day at a certain time to go in there so you wouldn't have to wait.
0: Cool. Now, did you do any of the specialty dining like the Crown Grill or anything?
1: We did not nope. do any specialty dining. Okay. How about like Alfredo's? We did. I'm um, Actually, in Glacier Bay, my mom and I, we had lunch there in Alfredo's. We thought it was very good. It's a really cool experience. The nice thing about Alfredo's Pizzeria is that there's no uh, charge for it, so it's free. Mm -hmm. And just the atmosphere is really cool, especially cruising through Glacier Bay while enjoying a slice of pizza. And my mom and I lucked out, and our table was right next to the window. So we were cruising past glaciers and eating pizza. It was phenomenal.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Let's talk about entertainment aboard Grand Princess. Uh, What did you think of the entertainment on this 10-night cruise?
1: Hands down, this was the best entertainment we've had on a cruise ship. And I have taken eight cruises. This is the best, hands down. Why was that? The singers and dancers aboard the Grand Princess were phenomenal. The type of shows they had. A definite highlight for us was a show called British Invasion. So it was all types of songs, like the Beatles and whatnot. And when we got the pre-cruise email listing that as one of the shows, we were really excited. We kind of had high expectations for it, and that surpassed it. Cool. Also, there was a guest singer on board named Stephanie Parker who did a tribute to Whitney Houston. And oh my goodness, she was incredible. I felt like we were watching Broadway shows. It was, I can go on and on about the entertainment. It was great um, in terms of that. The comedians on board were hilarious, and there was a lot of them. For the 10 nights, Princess did a really great job in having lots of different types of activities, like comedians and entertainment and different types of shows, and also through their enrichment programs. Princess has their Go North program for Alaska cruises. Mm -hmm. And for our sailing, we lucked out because on the show Deadliest Catch, one of the captains of the Lucian Ballad, the owner of it, was actually on board our sailing and did a presentation all about that. So it was really cool. And afterwards, able to meet him, take pictures with him, and Definite highlight for my dad and I, who are a huge Deadliest cast fan.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a, that's super cool that the captain was actually on there, the owner of the boat. Um, How about as far as music around the ship, like in the public areas?
1: So the public areas, um, a pretty traditional thing with Princess is that you have live music. So there was like an orchestra normally playing down in the piazza, lots of classical music. It was very like peaceful. You would have someone playing the piano, somebody playing the violin, that sort of stuff during the day and during the night as well.
0: Let's talk about the sea days on this sailing. You had quite a few. One thing that really defines a cruise ship is how it behaves when it's at sea with passenger flow both inside and outside of the ship. So how was the sea days for you aboard Grand Princess?
1: I thought I did very well. I never felt crowded, and that's a definite plus for me. I don't like being you know, inside and all these people. You definitely could find personal space. There is Normally, there were places to sit down, either at in a bar or in a lounge, up on the Lido deck, top deck areas outside. Those were generally empty. The first two days were a bit stormy, so weren't you know a lot of people outside. But the rest of them, they were pretty nice out, but not a lot of people were outside. So that means everyone else was inside, and still there was a great you know personal space to passenger, passenger ratio. Cool. So the ship functioned very well. There were a lot of different activities going on. So, people were very satisfied.
0: You had five days at sea and you hit four ports on this 10 night sailing. What ports did you
1: hit and which one was your favorite? So, we hit Juno, we hit Haines, we hit Kachikan, and we also hit Victoria. Now, we have been to Juno and Kachikan. This is our fourth time, second time at Victoria, and first time at Haines. I was really looking forward to going to Haines. That's kind of another reason why we picked this itinerary is because we've never been to Haines before. Haynes is a beautiful city. There's a lot of history there. There's Fort Seward, so back during one of the wars. So there's lots of history there. And the nice thing about Haines, Alaska, is that it's not very touristy. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find any t-shirt shops. You're not going to find jewelry shops. Pretty much, you're going to dock and you're going to walk right into a little town. And for that, it was really refreshing. You're pretty much walking with the locals, um, exploring how they live. And that was a definite highlight for us was experiencing that in a true Alaskan town.
0: Did you do any kind of like signature Alaska shore excursions like dog sledding or helicoptering or float plane or anything like that? Not on this
1: cruise. Our first Alaska cruise, we did all this. But this one, we explored everything on our own.
0: Oh, Cool. I know Haines isn't a very popular cruise pier or cruise port rather for cruise ships. In fact, you were mentioning that
1: Grand Princess was the only call there for Princess this year. It was a unique thing about our itinerary is that we were the only Princess ship stopping in Haines this season, and I could understand why. It's a smaller port. If you're looking for a really glitzy port with a lot of stuff to do, lots of shopping, lots of different types of excursions. I wouldn't go to Haynes per se, mm-hmm. but if you've cruised Alaska before, I definitely say you are would want to stop at Haynes. And it's not, we've had, there was lots of people who, this is their first Alaska cruise, and they enjoyed Haynes. They thought it was cool. Then you had people who have been to the neighboring town of Skagway who are a bit disappointed because there wasn't, a lot of stuff to do per se you had to kind of find stuff to keep you occupied
0: gotcha so uh, you make your way back to san francisco and well you have to go to victoria canada first for the jones act yeah. right
1: yeah so the nice thing about the grand princess and this 10 day sailing from san francisco is that you actually dock in victoria canada at seven in the morning mm-hmm. and so instead of getting there really late at night if you would have cruised from seattle you actually get there in the morning and you leave by two. And this is our second time in Victoria, and we loved it. The one thing that I wish that we could change about this cruise was to make our port time in Victoria a bit longer. So much stuff to see and do there.
0: What did you do there this time?
1: We took a taxi down to downtown, and we just explored the area. We didn't do a, an excursion. We more kind of walked around, shopped. There was a lot of stuff to do because we left Victoria at two, and our back on board time was 1:30. We didn't want to chance that. So we kind of gave ourselves until noon to be kind of get back towards the ship. So we didn't have a lot to do. We more just walked around. It was beautiful. Cool.
0: So uh, you had a sea day and then you made your way back to San Francisco to disembark. Uh, How was the disembarkation process for you?
1: Just like getting on the ship, getting off the ship was so easy. Since our flight wasn't until later in the afternoon, For Princess, they assign everyone disembarkation time. And we were one of the last ones. So we didn't get off the ship at around 10 in the morning. And so it was a super relaxing. I didn't even feel like I was getting off the ship. The vibe was so relaxing. We got our stuff. We were able to walk right off, go right through customs. We got our bags right away. And we were on our way. There's lots of taxis there, lots of different types of shuttles at the port of San Francisco. So it was great. One of our easiest disembarkations on a cruise. Okay, cool. So you're off the ship,
0: looking back over your cruise. What was the biggest highlight for you? Like, what was the biggest takeaway of this 10-night Alaska cruise?
1: So I'd have to say the biggest highlight for me was being together as a family experiencing this. Princess does a great job, kind of like catering to multi-generational travel for families. My parents and my sister, who's seven years older than I am, than me, We had such a great time. And even on the ship, there were lots of different families with grandparents all the way down to little toddlers. It was just a highlight to be able to experience all of this together, being 10 days on a cruise with each other. It's a great bonding time. And also I would say cruising under the Golden Gate Bridge as a family was an experience of a lifetime. Felt so iconic. We were cruising under. We had perfect weather. The clouds parted right when we were going towards it and I would definitely recommend leaving from the port of San Francisco at some point in your life because cruising under the Golden Gate Bridge is just spectacular.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like cruising out of New York City here on the East Coast. It's just one of those iconic sail aways. Uh, How about some first-time tips? Do you have any first-time tips for anyone who may be considering sailing either Grand Princess or doing a 10-night out of California
1: to Alaska? Some definite tips are, in terms of packing, when you're in California, that was the weird thing for us is that you're in nice California weather. So when you first kind of leave San Francisco, it doesn't feel like you're on an Alaska cruise. So you're going to want to pack at least like a T-shirt and some shorts because it does warm up in California. The more you go north, you're going to want to pack, you know, warmer clothing. Another thing is that while you're at sea, you might not think about this, but it does get a bit breezy on the ship when you're outside. Even if you're cruising very slow. Mm -hmm. you're going to get cold. And inside, it was a bit cold. So I definitely recommend packing layers, so packing different types of stuff. And then for a 10-day cruise, it's longer, but if you just take it day by day, you're really going to enjoy yourself. Just look forward to what you're going to be doing that day, because at first, it could be a bit overwhelming. Like, I'm going to be on the ship for 10 days. If you do it day by day, you'll warm up to the idea, and at the end, it's going to fly by. You did a lot of
0: YouTube videos and coverage of this sailing on your YouTube channel. Where can we find all of your video logs and your videos of this 10-night sailing? If you go on
1: YouTube and you search Scott Singer Cruises, you'll have all that done. I did tours of the Grand Princess, so my cabin and any guest areas. And I also did a vlog, so I filmed my actual experience. And in playlists, I have it day by day, so every single day of the cruise. I have a lot of footage of what you can expect from going out with the naturalist and looking for whales to doing a tender ride. Because I know for first-time cruisers, people don't know what a tender is. Mm -hmm. So you can experience what a tender ride is like. And just the overall vibe and what you could expect, one, cruising on the Grand Princess for 10 days from San Francisco
0: once again you can search scott singer cruises on youtube i'll also link to it in the show notes at cruiseradio.net we've been talking with scott singer he has returned from a 10-night alaska sailing out of san francisco aboard princess's grand princess scott my friend great talking to you and uh, don't be a stranger thank you so much for having me a big question we get at cruise radio is how do i know if i need trip insurance